you so much. You can be seated here in the auditorium, and I appreciate the Lord providing us with good singing. I personally like that song about that righteous being forsaken. I said a couple of weeks ago, that's quickly climbing my own personal chart, and I can't wait for them to sing that when our church is full again. And it's been a blessing to me just to think about how the God, my faith has been shaken a time or two. There's been some things that's happened in my life that good night has knocked the props out from under me. But I promise you this, he's never left me, never, not never, not nary step of the way. He's always been there for me. And I just want to praise him for being a wonderful and a faithful Savior. Well, I have my Bible open tonight to 1 John chapter 5. And I want to read some verses here in just a minute, if you'll bear with me, uh, toward the end of this chapter here, and to share some things with you from the Word of God as we think about these days that we're living in. 1 John chapter 5, I have a Schofield Bible. It's page number 1325, 1325. And if you don't, then the book of 1 John is over toward the end of the Bible. Bible. You know, there's a Gospel of John, but then there's a First John, Second John, and Third John, and we're in First John chapter five tonight. And I want to read some verses here in just a moment. I'd like to invite you to join us again on Wednesday night at seven o'clock for our live stream service. And please pray for us as we're praying for you at this time. And I want to say we sure do miss you. I promise you that. We miss you badly. Uh, we miss you dearly. And uh, hopefully the Lord will allow us to be back together again real soon. All right, 1 John chapter 5. I'd like to begin reading with verse 11. If you don't mind, I'd like to just read the rest of the chapter. And then I'll ask you to leave your Bibles open. Verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath a Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, in Jesus, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death, I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's pray. Father, would you bless your word tonight and just help us here for just a few minutes as I try to scratch around in this text tonight for some truths to help us as we face these days of great uncertainty. And please bless your word. Lord, please touch our hearts. Help us and encourage us tonight from the word of God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you think back to last Sunday morning, then you may recall that I preached a message that I entitled, The Panic in the Pandemic. The Panic in the Pandemic. Or maybe the Panic of the Pandemic. One of the things that we're facing a lot right now is fear because of the uncertainty of this day and age in which we 
are living in. And I took that text from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and where the Bible said that God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I encouraged us, hey, let's don't panic in the pandemic. Well, tonight I want to preach a follow-up message to that. And tonight I'm not preaching on the subject of the panic in the pandemic, but I'm preaching this thought tonight, promises for the pandemic. Promises for the pandemic. Now, for me to say that you and I are living in uncertain times would probably be the understatement of the year. You know, I counted back, and just 46 days ago, our nation was riding high. February the 19th of this year, the stock market hit the highest, uh, highest day that has ever been recorded for the stock market here in the United States. We were enjoying, just 46 days ago, we were enjoying the best economy that our nation has ever seen. Everybody who wanted a job had a job. There was a chicken in every pot, and there was a car in every garage. And now, just 46 days later, or 1,104 hours later, millions of people are now out of jobs. The economy has been tanked. All of those gains, and by the way, during the presidency of Donald Trump, been three and a half years of that, the, hot, the uh, stock market has hit a record high, broken a free, previous record high 100 times in the three and a half years of the presidency of, of Donald Trump. Think about that. 100 high marks for the stock market. And now... 46 days later, 1,104 uh, 1, hours later, all of those gains that have been made, all of those high watermarks have now been erased. There's even talk of a great recession after all of this is over. For the first time in a long time, in fact, I would say for the first time since 1918, in the days of the great Spanish flu, our government has ordered everybody to stay at home. We know that people are getting sick. In fact, as of this afternoon at 5 o'clock, in the United States of America, 331,151 people have now been diagnosed in the United States with the coronavirus. And as of 5 o'clock this afternoon, 9,000, 441 people have now died from something that we can't even see. Something that we cannot see has brought our nation down to its knees. All of that reminds me of how uncertain that life really is. One moment you and I could be riding high thinking that we're invincible. Man, this is great. Life is wonderful. And the next minute the rug of our life has been ripped right out from under us. Again, for me to say that we're living in days of uncertainty, uh, uncertain times would be a great understatement. In our own state, the state of North Carolina, there are now 2,646 cases of the coronavirus, and now as of 5 o'clock today, 37 people have now died in the state of North Carolina. I mean these are uncertain times, but in the midst of all of the uncertainty of these days, there are still some promises 
that you and I can hang on to as the people of God. There's still some things we can cling to in the midst of all the uncertainty and the upheaval of our day. There's still some things that you and I can just claim as we live out these last days. Oh yeah, the foundation of our world is being shaken today. But I promise you this, God has made us some promises in the Bible that He'll never, ever go back on. God will never, ever change His mind about the promises that He has made. I have a statement written down in the front of my Bible, and I write every time I get a new Bible, I write this statement down. I've got several statements written down here. And, uh, but one of the statements that I write down in the front of every Bible that I get is this, never let what you do know be upset by what you don't know. You know, there's so much about this situation that you and I just don't know. There's a lot about this situation our government don't know. There's a lot about it that these professionals in the medical field don't even know about outside of God. But I promise you this, there are some things in the Bible that you and I can just hang on to. When we don't know, thank God, let's fall back on what we do know. Amen. And there are some great things that we can know from the Word of God. Promises for the pandemic. So what I'd like to do tonight in these verses that I've read, I'd like to just kind of move through these verses. I've, I've written down four of them. You may see more promises than that. But there are four great promises that God has made to us in these verses that I've read tonight, and I'm calling them promises for the pandemic. The first thing that I want you to see tonight, number one, is that we, we have a promise. We have a promise. You know, they just sang about this. I couldn't help but think about when they were singing about this just a moment ago. We're living in a world of empty and broken promises. Probably the one promise that's been broken most often down through the, uh, the history of time, especially in this day and age in which you and I are living in, is this one. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, uh, to love and to cherish until death do us part. I'm telling you, that promise is broken more today than it's ever been broken before. Thirty-five years later, I'm glad I've never broke that promise to you. And by the way, thank you for not breaking that promise to me as well. And we're still having and holding. Amen. We're still cherishing and, and uh, everything else that goes along with that and fussing and fighting. Thirty-five years later, and I want to say today that I love her more today than I've ever loved her in my entire life. My love for her has grown and deepened. But, you know, in our day, people are still married for better or for worse, but just not for long. I mean, you think about it. I mean, it's no longer till death do us part. It's till disagreement or death, debt or some other thing, some, some other person comes along uh, and things are, are broken. Things are, the promises that we made are then just cast aside. The broken promise of marriage has to rank right up there with this promise. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help you. Now that is a broken promise. You know, many times promises that are made to us, as well as promises that are made by us, let's just be honest, they are to be broken. But there is a promise that God makes us in the Word of God that He will never, ever break. I want you to look again at verse 11. The Bible said, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Look at verse 12. He that hath the Son, if you have Jesus, you have life. And he that hath not the Son of God, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. 
There's a verse back in the Gospel of John, chapter 3 and verse number 36. The Bible talks about, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God shall not see life, but, the, uh, but is under the condemnation, and the wrath of God abideth on him. But then he jumps to verse 13 and says this, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Now the promise is this. The promise that God makes to us is that anybody who receives His Son, the Lord Jesus, has the gift of eternal life. Now I get it. I know there are people who argue about the eternality of salvation. They're constantly, we hear people today, constantly who are knocking that once saved, always saved kind of preaching. And they bring up this example or that example. They say, boy, I knew somebody that got saved and they lived for the Lord, attended church for a while, but then they've now returned to their former way of life. You tell me they didn't lose their salvation? Well, i tell you what, according to the Bible, the only kind of salvation that God gives us is eternal salvation. And by the way, that's not referring necessarily only to the quality of it, but also to the quantity of it as well. I'm glad that I'm saved tonight for all eternity. And by the way, if you're saved tonight, guess what? You're saved uh, for all eternity as well. You know, I know I could drag out some verse, some obscure passage of Scripture and try to twist it and make it into saying something that it's not, but I think the Bible is very clear on the subject of when it comes to the, uh, to the, uh, to the subject of eternal life. Now, let me define for you what eternal life is. Eternal life is life without, le uh, life without end in a land without end. That's right. And that is a promise from God. Can I ask you a question? Does, does goodness save one's soul? I mean, is a person saved by their goodness? Well, we know the answer from that is the word of, from the Word of God is absolutely not. The Bible says that we're not saved by our own righteousness. We're not saved by our own goodness, our own good works. In fact, there's a verse that spells that out very clearly. The Bible said in Ephesians 2, 9 that it is not of works, lest any man swear. You're not saved by your goodness. Then if you're not saved by your goodness, then you're not lost by your badness. Can I have an amen? I mean, brother, salvation is not based upon uh, my work. Salvation is based upon the finished work of the Son of God. It is an eternal, everlasting salvation. Well, I know somebody that got saved and lived for the Lord for five years and then turned their back. Well, can I tell you something? They didn't have eternal life. They had five-year life. Am I right? I mean, the kind of salvation that God gives you and me uh, comes with an eternal, everlasting guarantee that it can never, ever be lost. It is an eternal, an eternal salvation. Boy, in these days of uncertainty, I mean, when you don't know from one day to the next day whether you're going to be alive next week at this time. I mean, that, those are the kind of days that we're living in. And I guess I think more about death today than I think that I've ever thought about it in my life. But can I tell you something? If I have to die, don't worry about me. You know why? I'm just going to be with the Lord. God gave me an eternal salvation. Can I quote you a good verse from the Old Testament? Ecclesiastes 3.14 says this, I know that whatsoever God doeth shall be forever and nothing could, can be put to it or anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before Him. I said all that to say this. Aren't you glad we got a promise? 
in these days of great uncertainty, heading, heading into a life of great uncertainty. Aren't you glad that we're heading to a, to a land? Aren't you glad that we've got a life that will never, ever end? Oh, I know. I know someday I'm going to die. If corona don't get me, something will. I understand all that. But I'm so glad that when I got saved, I was, I was 16 years old on March the 24th of 1979. And as a 16-year-old teenager, I knelt beside of my bed in my bedroom and I asked Jesus to come into my heart and be my Savior. And when he walked in, thank God he brought with him something called eternal, everlasting life. Praise the Lord. We have a promise. We have a promise. But then look in our text. Not only do we have a promise, but can I say number two, we have a prayer. We have a prayer. Look at verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Aren't you glad that in these times of great uncertainty that you can pray? Boy, I would hate to face these days knowing that I did not possess the ability to pray. You know, lost people can pray. They can pray all they want to. But according to the Bible, God doesn't even hear the prayer of a lost man until that, that lost man cries out to God in prayer for mercy. That's right. But those of us that are saved, who've received the promise, who have the gift of eternal life, those of us that are saved also have the ability to pray. Did you know that one of the last things that Jesus did while he was hanging on the cross was pray? Jesus died with a prayer so that you and I wouldn't have to live without a prayer. Aren't you glad that we can pray? Yeah, the Bible said if we ask anything according to His will. And by the way, verse 14 says, and this is the confidence. Boy, I'm glad when it comes to prayer, there are two things about prayer that amazes me. Look at verse 14. First of all, the access of prayer. I mean, that absolutely uh, amazes me how that us as God's people, with all of our faults, all of our failures, all of our foibles, how that we can get down on our knees and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I can go right into the very presence of Almighty God. I couldn't get in to see the governor tonight if I wanted to, and I don't. I couldn't get in to see the mayor of Winston-Salem tonight if I wanted to. I couldn't get in to see the president of the United States. I couldn't get in to see my doctor right now if I had to. You know, I can't get in to see any of those people, but miracle of miracles, I can get on my knees. I can call out the name of Jesus, and I can gain an audience with Almighty God. Anytime, place, anywhere, in the name of Jesus, on the merits of the shed blood of the Son of God, of the finished work of Calvary, I can go right into the very presence of Almighty God. Aren't you glad we got a prayer in these days of uncertainty? Boy, I'm amazed by the access. There's a verse over the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 16, that says this. Let us therefore come boldly. Now, don't misunderstand that word boldly because we don't strut into God's presence like a peacock with our feathers stuck out. That word boldly simply means with confidence. We don't go into God's presence with arrogance. We go into God's presence with confidence. And as we do so, the Bible said we can go into the throne of grace and we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Boy, I can't think of a 
more greater time of need that we need mercy and we need help. The access of prayer absolutely amazes me. But can I say this? Not only does the access of prayer amaze me, but the assurance of prayer amazes me because verse 14 of our text says, this is the confidence. I have the assurance, the promise of God, that if I'm praying according to His will, He hears me. You know, I prayed some prayers. I don't think He heard. But I have the assurance, the confidence, that when my prayers match up with the will of God, that God is listening in on what I have to say. Buddy, as I desire God's will as I discern God's will, as I do God's will, I have the confidence that God will hear and answer my prayers. I can pray and ask the God of heaven to hear me. I can pray and ask the God of heaven to help me. I can pray and ask the God of heaven to heal me. I can pray and ask God to hide me. I can pray and ask God to hold me. And I have the assurance that God is listening to my prayers. You see, in these days of uncertainty, we got a prayer in the pandemic, and I'm glad that we have not only a promise, but we have a prayer, a prayer in the pandemic. But then drop down, if you will, to verse 18, because not only do I have a promise and have a prayer, but I have a protector. Look again at verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Now, boy, we got some real problems right here in this verse. So I, before I go any further, let me see if we can like, explainify what this verse is saying. First of all, let's kind of go phrase by phrase. Look at verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Now, we got to stop right there because we got some real problems. Because I'm sitting in a room full, and I don't know how many is in here, probably nine or ten of us, but I'm sitting in a room full of sinners. Can I have Amen. <laughs> Okay, moving right along. I, all right, let me say that you're listening to a sinner. I mean, I sin. I don't know about you, and I, I do. We, we are all, we're all sinners. Now, if that be true, then according to this verse right here, then we've not been born of God if that's what this verse is teaching us here. In fact, can I tell you this? John, writing this verse, has just contradicted what he said back in chapter 1 when he said this. If we say that we do not sin... Uh, we deceive ourselves and we make God a liar. I mean, the Bible simply seems to indicate that even after we get saved, that we sin. But what this verse is teaching us is this. Once we become saved, sin is no longer the rule of our life. It is now the exception of our life. In other words, what this, the Word of God is teaching us is this. As a child of God, we no longer run towards sin. Our attitude now is we try to run from sin. I mean, God changed my mind about sin when I got saved. And even though I've not been perfect and even though I can't stand up here before you tonight and, and to say that I don't fail God and I don't let Him down because I do, but I'm glad that, buddy, when it grieves Him, boy, there's something on the inside that grieves me. I mean, when I break His heart, it breaks my heart. When I grieve Him, it grieves me. When I hurt Him, it hurts me. I'm telling you, uh, we, we understand from this text tonight that sin is no longer the uh, rule of our life. It is now the exception of our life. Now let's move on. Look again at verse 18. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. Now again, 
We understand from other parts of the Bible that we're not keeping ourselves saved, that we are kept by the power of God. Now, we've got a contradiction here if that's what this verse is teaching us here, that we're keeping ourselves saved. I can't keep myself saved. I want to live right. I want to stay close to God and try my best to read my Bible every day and pray every day and, and uh, live right every day. I want to do all that stuff, but I can't keep myself saved. My works doesn't keep me saved. So what if we read this verse like this? But he that is begotten of God, Jesus. We know that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. He that is begotten of God, the Lord Jesus, keeps us. Boy, aren't you glad that I, 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 this thing's not dependent on me. I mean, I, I'm like Noah in, in the days of the ark. I mean, God didn't drive a peg in that ark and say, okay, Noah, if you can hang on when this thing sets down uh, a year later on top of Mount Ararat, you'll be okay. <laughs> I'm not hanging on. I'm in, man. You're in. I'm just enjoying the ride. And though I may fall in the ark, Aren't you glad we can't fall out of the ark? Hey, I'm glad it's not depending on me. I have a divine protector. And then notice in verse 18, says this, that wicked one. Now, who do we know is the wicked one? Well, we know that's the devil. And the Bible said that he toucheth us not. The reference to the devil. The good news of the gospel is that the Lord Jesus has released us from the bondage of sin and the bondage of Satan. He no longer has a hold on my life. My life is no longer in His hands, and my life, thank God, ain't in my hands. My life, your life, is in the hands of a divine protector, the Lord Jesus, the one who is the begotten of God. Well, I'm glad I got a protector as I live out these days. I not only have a divine protector, I have a divine preserver, I have a divine proprietor, I am now owned and managed by Him. I, it doesn't mean that I won't get sick. It doesn't mean that I can't face reversals. It doesn't mean that I can't die. But it does mean this. Nothing's going to happen to me that doesn't, first of all, sift through the tender hands of my Savior. I have a protector. I'm glad that, that I pray. I, I kind of look at it like this, and I'm sure these men do as well. But I kind of look at it as being the head of my family. Now, my daddy's gone, and so I have to be the head of my family. And uh, I'm talking about my wife and my children and my grandchildren. And I don't look at it. And I know and I hope they're all praying. I know my wife's praying and, and my children are praying. But I just kind of feel like the burden of their protection has fallen upon me. I feel like the burden of the protection of this church is squarely on my shoulders. I feel like the burden of the safety of our older members and, uh, and all of us. I mean, I, I feel the responsibility of all that. But I'm glad tonight that oh, I, though I may feel that responsibility, I'm, I'm glad that, that we have one seated in the heavens tonight that's going to protect us. I mean, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. I may have to get sick. I don't know. I may have to walk through some tough times coming up. Yea, I may even have to, I may have to die. I mean, I understand all that. But don't worry about it. I am in the hands of the one who's got a hold of my life. I have a protector. You have a protector. So we have a, we have a promise. We have a prayer. We have a protector. But then look at verse 19 and we're done. We have a position. Now look at verse 19. And we know that we 
are of God. By the way, do you know that tonight? Do you know that you're of God? Has there been a time in your life when you've called, you recognized that you were a sinner, you cried out to God for mercy? You say, well, preacher, you don't understand. I, I, just, I just have always been a Christian. Well, can I tell you something? If you've always been a Christian, then you're not a Christian. And the reason I say that is a Christian is somebody who realizes they're a sinner, that they're lost, and they call upon Jesus for the saving of their souls. Hey, do you know you're of God? I tell you what, I'm so glad facing these days of uncertainty. I know one thing. I know I'm in God's hands. We are of God. And look at verse 19. And the whole world lie in wickedness. Now think what this verse is. It's just maybe contrasting what it means to be in God or to be in a wicked world. I mean, there's a contrast being drawn. Can I go back to Noah for just a moment? I mean, when you think about when Noah entered the ark and then God left the gangplank down for seven more days. You read it. God left the door open seven days after Noah and his family walked in. Boy, aren't you glad he's a long-suffering and a patient God? Seven more days, God left the door open. And then finally on that eighth day, eighth number of new beginnings, when they came out to that ark, all those people, uh, that lived back in those days, came out to that ark. Notice something different about it. The door was closed. And then somebody felt something fall from the sky, drop of rain. Hadn't even rained before Noah built the ark. A moisture went up from the midst of the earth to water the whole ground. First time ever, dark clouds gathered on the horizon. Boy, the thunder began to clap and the fountains of the deep were opened up and the oceans and the rivers and the lakes and the streams left their appointed bounds and began to spill over into the earth. Don't you think those people that were on the outside, or let me say it like this, don't you think Noah on the inside was glad to be on the inside looking out? And don't you know that all that crowd that was going to perish on the outside, that crowd that was on the outside looking in, had wished they had got on the inside to look out. Can I say as we face these days of uncertain times, boy, I'm glad to be on the inside of this thing looking out. I'm like the children of Israel on the death of the firstborn, the last plague, when the blood had been applied to the door lentils of their home. Aren't you glad as death began to move through the land of Egypt that night and the cry, the Bible talks about the cry of the Egyptians as the firstborn in every house, uh, the firstborn died of every home in the land of Egypt. Even in Pharaoh's palace, as luxurious as it was, death entered there and took the life of Pharaoh's firstborn. And the cry of the Egyptians were going, don't you know that those Israelites were glad to be in a home where the blood had been applied? Don't you know they were glad to be looking out instead of on the outside looking in? I'm saying to you and I tonight what it means to be in God. It means to be in the ark looking out. What it means to be in God is to mean to be in a home where the blood has been applied and death is passing over the land. Aren't you glad tonight that we have a position? We're on the inside of this thing looking out. We are of God. I'm so glad I'm saved tonight. I'm glad to be in the flock. I'm glad to be in the fight. I'm glad to be in the faith. I'm glad to be in the field. But I just tell you, cut the chase, the best thing I'm glad about is I'm in the family. What about you? Aren't you glad in these great days of uncertainty we have a promise? 
We have a prayer. We have a protector. And we have a position. And though the earth tremble and the, and the, and the mountains quake, those things can never be changed if you are a child of God. Well, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father.